I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to That Final Scene, the podcast where we dive deep into the endings of iconic films. I am Sophie, your host, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Ben and Simon. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Good. Struggling with the heat. It's Not too, too shabby. Simon, <laughs> no. so, mean, you love the heat, I feel like. I feel like you're very much... I've got into it. At home in the summer. Me. Winter all the way. God. <laughs> I like winter because you can not sweat when you go on your bike mm. somewhere. Yeah. But what, what did you do over the week? Because it was pretty shit over the week. It's I went to Italy, actually. What? Yeah. I don't know about we that. Didn't, we didn't know about this, yeah. Go uh, on. I went to a wedding. Some friends got married there. Wow. Yeah. Went to Cinque Terre, which is in Liguria. Ooh. And That's a really colourful village, isn't it, on the coast? Yeah, there's, well, it's five villages and uh, they live in this, well, the wedding was in this tiny little village near one of the main ones called Campelia. Nice. Wow. And it was like a, like paradise. Like, I've seen the pictures and they're all like built, like these really colourful houses built into a cliff face. Yeah, they? it's just like that. I think there's actually a Disney film that uses that as the backdrop. I think that Disney film, Luca. Luca. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the backdrop. Yeah. 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 So if you watch that. Nice fun fact. Always tying it back to films, eh? (laughs) Thank you. You're doing God's work. Yeah. Yeah. What can I say? Awesome. So you didn't get to watch any films? Well, I did actually. Oh, did you? On on the plane, I watched um, Sideways. Was it like a, did you download it or did you get a screen on the the I always have Sideways on my iPad for such occasions. For for like like, break in case you need to watch sideways type things. Did you torrent it or? It's uh, a paid for Apple TV job. Nice. Nice. Thank you, Apple. And I fucking loved it. Because it's been that right amount of time since I've last watched it. And it was excellent. Do you want to tell people what it is about? It's Paul Giamatti plays this depressive English teacher called Miles. His life's not gone very well. He's got divorced. And it's his mate Jack's sort of stag week that's coming up. And he's taken him to a wine valley in California for a week. But Jack's incredibly selfish in the funniest way as possible. <laughs> and uh, so Miles just wants to drink wine and like have a friend. And Jack just wants to have sex before he gets married <laughs> with as many people as possible. And it's an amazing combination of... I think it's one of the, my favourite comedy films of all time. Just try to be your normal humorous self, okay? The guy you were before the tailspin. You remember that guy? People love that guy. And don't forget, your novel is coming out in the fall. Oh, really? How exciting. What's it called? Come here, Miles. Have you seen it, Ben? I don't think I have. I think I've seen bits of it, but I don't think I've watched it. Have you not seen it? I need to watch it. I know of it, though. Like, I've seen clips of it. It's very memeable. Like, I've seen memes. It's just really beautifully put together. There's Mm. loads of humanity in it and lots of very, very funny lines and visual jokes. And it's really emotional as well because, like, you really feel for Miles. You know, he's really depressed. His book's not getting published. Um, he's he's kind of all on his own. And Jack's just comically selfish and Aww. just gets into all these scrapes all the time. Do not sabotage me. If you want to be a oh. fucking lightweight, then that's your call. But do not sabotage me. Oh, aye, aye, Captain, you got it. And if they want to drink Merlot, we're drinking Merlot. No, if anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot. Okay, okay, <laughs> relax, Miles. Jesus, no Merlot. Did you bring your Xanax? There's a scene towards the end where um, Jack's got caught with some girl and he's had his nose boxed in and he's got like a cast on his nose and stuff. And he needs an excuse for when he gets home, like why he's got to have this, like why he's got this broken nose. So he makes Miles crash his car by putting a brick on the accelerator and pointing it at a tree. Oh my God. But like, it's, it's like a comedy situation where the, the car goes towards the tree, but then it, it like swerves randomly and misses the tree and goes miles away. Oh God. And then they have to think of another way to like explain it. It's, it's really, really funny. Nice. I mean, the dynamic of the relationship reminds me of um, With Neil and I. Like these two yeah. be like selfish and depressed kind of. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, I did see a question online, someone saying online the other day of like, what's your favorite comedy film? And actually of all kind of film genres, I think comedy is like the, hard, yeah. the hardest one to answer that question because it's such a subjective question and it really like, and also like for me, kind of depends on my mood. Like, like, like with action movies and stuff like that, I can kind of be like, oh yeah, I know I'm going to sit down and watch that. 
Whereas it really depends on kind of what mood I'm in if it's I'm true. picking a comedy film to watch. Mm. It's I think it's a really yeah. difficult question like to with, ask. Like I can always watch a Bourne Identity, whatever, anytime, no yeah. matter what. It'll just take my mind off whatever it is and take me somewhere else. Whereas yeah. I can't just dip into comedy. Can't waste the comedy. No, you know, exactly. The, and the yeah, point. I'm the same with like a Bond or a Mission Impossible film. Like it's very easy to dip in and out of. But something like something like even like watching Bridesmaids. With comedy, you really need to give it your all, att- your ho- all your attention because the jokes won't land if you're not paying attention all the time. It's almost like watching a drama or like a thriller in which there's twists and turns. You need mm. to pay attention for the whole thing to actually mm. get the most value out of a comedy. Sideways is definitely in my top 10 films of all time, partly because me and my friend Mark did a trip to California a few years ago, like a road trip, and we ended up realizing we were doing a lot of the same vineyards that are featured in Sideways. Okay. And then we really ended up enjoying it even more because... And then we, you tried to crash the car. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nice. It was one of those holidays where like, I'd, I'd like been in charge of like booking the hire car and I'd obviously chosen the cheapest, shittiest hire car. But we got to the hire place in LA and they were like, showed us the catalogue and they're like, but do you want this one? And they flopped open like a Dodge Charger. And we oh might like, yep. Coolest car you have. Yeah, the Amazing. coolest, most underpowered car you've got. <laughs> Probably the most expensive they have for catalogue yeah. as well. That's like a great recommendation though. Thanks oh, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And it's it's aged really well, like a fine wine. Mm. It's it's not uh, got any clangers in it. It's yeah, very, again, it's, I mean, with comedy, it's hard, yeah, yeah, yeah isn't it? And also, it, it's, it's put together, you know, it's masterfully put together, but it's also very simple. There's lots of like just really old school, like fade transitions. It's almost a bit like a sitcom in the way it's put together okay. because it's not relying on production values to be clever and funny. It's just, it's very well acted. It's very well written. Mm-hmm. That's what makes Probably it Probably a relatively small budget film it, as Absolutely, well. yeah. I mean, yeah. it must have been before Paul got really big time. I would have it's thought. It's kind of early 2000s, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I think he was kind of starting to get big around then, wasn't he? Like, yeah. it's, got, it's the director that did About Schmidt, I think, is the same, is the oh, one that did okay. it. Yeah. yeah. And there's uh, Sandra Oh is in it. Oh, right. And she's the love interest of of Jack, his reckless friend. And I don't think she was well known at the time. Mm-hmm. And she's now been, what a like huge... pre like Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Probably that was your I'll try and hope hopefully I'll try and watch her by the time we record the next I episode. I also think it's a good can... it's a good parent friendly film as well. Because like it's the film that I quite enjoy going home and being like, Oh mum, dad, do you fancy watching Sideways? And they're like, Yeah. And well, we can it's all not enjoy like it. It's not like a love actually or a four weddings in the funeral <laughs> where you need to be like, and at this point I'm going to leave. Oh the room. actually, there is there's a couple of sex scenes in it actually. Ah, okay. But it's not oh. gratuitous and they're really quick and it's very funny. So you, it's <laughs> like <laughs> Okay, as long as but there's yeah. some comedy in it, then we're fine. Yeah. Maybe we should well, start a, um, yeah, right. maybe there's a product in having embarrassing scenes pre-flagged in films. Oh yeah. Is that already exists? No, there should be. Okay. Maybe it does already exist, but it should be like so on your, basically your Netflix, phone is yeah. listening, right? Your phone detects what film you're listening to and it gives you a five minute warning and it starts vibrating. Yeah. It's like you might want to leave the room in T minus three like, minutes. Like you know in a, you know on on uh, on YouTube where you have at the bottom you can see the little gold bars where you're about to get an ad. Yeah. On Netflix there's just like a red bar because you know that's when you that's the point where you have to leave the room Wait, for five minutes. Wait, what's the comedy film where they invent a startup called Mr. Skin and it's like it actually is to show where the naked bits are in films so kids can like find them really quickly. Oh, I don't know. I have no oh, it's idea. A class, it's like, um, oh, like a 2000s film, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, we need to get the Reese Witherspoon to invest in this startup idea because <laughs> it sounds like a ready-made product for me. Yeah, what about you guys? What have you been doing? I, I haven't been watching that much. Like, I watched... Um, I watched Extraction 2 last week, which is... Me too. Did you watch it as well? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Now, what did you think? I liked it more than the first one. Yeah, I thought it was better than the first one. I mean, it has just the stupidest premise ever, because basically at the end <laughs> What of are they the, extracting? Well, people. So oh, he's okay. like... It, I, it's not as stupid as like the Jason Statham films where his, like, his job title is Transporter. <laughs> it's just called Extraction because he gets people out of places and, you know... But it was gone for higher. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of Mercenary. like it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like John Wick, like but dialed up even more so. It's just like two hours of like wall to wall gunfire and Chris Hemsworth being dashingly handsome and kicking the shit out of people. And it's good. I thought it was good. I mean, it's just yeah, turn your brain off and just don't really pay attention to the story because it also it starts with them trying to explain how oh yeah, we know he's dead at the end of the last film, but this is how he's alive and. It, you know, because when I heard they is that were what's going to happen in Bond, I well, keep thinking, it's, it's what typical, are they going to do? It's a yeah. typical like Netflix comeback story. So the because I heard an interview with a director and he was like, the original idea was 
we get to kill him in the first one and be done with it. But because it was so massive, like when yeah, it was extraction, so popular. when extraction came out on Netflix, it was the most watched um, film on Netflix of all time. Yeah. So Netflix were like, "Here's the money, of, yeah, and here's an idea for a sequel. Let's make it happen." It's kind of riding that like John Wick kind of wave of movies exactly. of just like wall to wall action sequences and like gun fu as they call it. Netflix has got the very... prequel script for um, Insertion ready. Yeah, exactly. Well, to give the film a bit more credit, because I think, Ben, you're right. I One, I thought it was better than the first one. And two, the action scenes are, are incredible. Yeah. Like, they, it gave me raid vibes in some mm. areas. Especially in, towards the end in, in the hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I didn't know, um, maybe you knew already, is that the director used to be the stuntman of um, Chris Evans. Oh, yes, I'd heard that, yeah. Because you see quite a lot of those films like that is yeah. stuntman-led, yeah. Because all the, again, all the John Wick, or at least the first John Wick movie is, it's a former stuntman who's the director. Exactly, so it's cool to see someone like a stuntman actually direct a film because mm. they know things firsthand. So I thought like some of the, oh, there was this one shot uh, film, um, scene, the beginning of the film, like one shot, like single shot. Continuous. Oh, yeah, the, the one continuous the at, in the yeah. prison. Yeah. yeah, that was so well done. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, ignore the story. Enjoy Is it one of those ones where the camera goes through windows and stuff? And Yeah, and like the camera's getting knocked, you're getting knocked over with him kind of oh, thing, cool. yeah. It felt like, but yeah, it felt like being in a game, like in that scene. Yeah, almost, very, yeah. well, it was really like Birdman, but with yeah, action, like, yeah, exactly. you know, kind of constantly following him around. Yeah. So I, lo- I love it when you watch the making of those shots and you see them like on like cherry pickers passing a really big camera gear like between cars and yeah. skateboards and dollies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those things are like those things are incredible. Like I, th- I think and films like those action films, I think, need to start getting a bit more credit when you when it comes to like cinematography. Obviously, everybody said and editing as well. So like have these five or six minute shots where you have so much like camera work and visual work and tricks going into it. A really good one to watch, and it's not even an action sequence, is watch the behind the scenes of the dancing scene in Last Night in Soho with Matt, the Edgar Wright mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. And it should, because in the dancing sequence, it's Matt Smith dancing with Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomas Ian McKenzie, who are like, it's not really like Thomas Ian McKenzie in the film is going back in time into the, and seeing this woman's, like this tragedy or this event happen to her play out. And in the in the scene, it's the two of them swapping in and out and dancing. So it's amazing to watch the two actresses. Like if you look at it back, them kind of jumping around and then kind of crouching behind other people waiting to be out of camera to then be able to swap as they do like pirouettes and stuff. Mm. It's amazing. Beautiful. And I think stuff like that needs to get, you know, that's what I think the deeper and deeper I get into like watching and analyzing films, that's the kind of shit I really appreciate. I always thought that about Birdman when it came out. I was like, fucking hell, this is incredible to be able to sustain that and it be interesting and not feel like you need a break yeah. after an after ninety minutes is incredible, and stuff like the all these action sequences that you're getting in films now where they are just going fuck it, let's just try one continuous shot and it's six minutes of fight sequences is just crazy. <laughs> Fair play to Chris Hemsworth as well. It's some amount of physical exertion to mm-hmm. do that because I think he does quite a lot of his own stuff as well. I think so. I think so um, too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed Extraction too. I'm started watching The Witcher as well. Season three of The Witcher is starting on Netflix. Early reactions. I haven't, uh, I haven't bothered. But. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm only like two or three episodes in, I think. That's the final it's season bit, with Henry Cavill. Yeah, right? it's yeah. changing to, what's his name? Liam Hemsworth, actually. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth's brother is <laughs> taking Hemsworth over episode. after this. Um, so I am interested to see when they get to the end of the season, how they deal with that. Um, but yeah, so far, okay. I mean, at least stuff that I've read about the season and, and like reviews and stuff of it have said it's the most coherent. And it does kind of feel like that. Like the last two seasons are a little bit, especially the first season feels all over the place, like timeline-wise. It's kind of hard to know what's going on. And this one seems to be a little bit better. And then I just, I'm two episodes into the new Marvel Secret Invasion TV show, which is... I was the first episode, I thought it was so boring. Yeah, I watched the second episode. I mean, it's trying to like recreate what they did with Winter Soldier and have the Cold War kind of espionage feel to it. Yeah. Um, and it's not really hitting yet. It's got such a good cast in it, which is kind of why I'm going to, like, it's, um, like, really good English actors in it as well. Like, Olivia Colman's in it, Amelia Clark's in it, Kingsley Benadir, I think he's English as well, is in it. Um, and obviously, like, Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn. So I'm going to give it the time, I think. It's not It's not like when I hate-watched Halo. It's not the same. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a definitely a slower burn, that's for sure. Yeah. Was, what, about, yeah. What, what else have you watched other than... Um, the first episode of Secret Invasion and Extraction? Uh, well, okay, I finished um, Silo. 
on Apple TV Plus. So everyone's the talking Ferguson about the Rebecca Ferguson show. Yeah. I thought it was so boring. Like I, we almost hate watched it with nice. Michael. It was one of those shows where we're like, we're watching episodes in, like we started the episode on Friday, then we watched, you know, like a bit of it on Saturday. <laughs> we finished on Sunday, but it wasn't even like, we're just doing other, like whatever. It didn't really matter, but it was a bit of a disappointment because apparently it's a book that's very beloved and like very out there and just didn't, translate what's uh, the premise of the show well we wake up to a, it's a sci-fi show we wake okay. up to a world where people are in a silo underground and they have their own rules they have their own judge they have their own mayor right and they don't know why they're not allowed to go out uh in the world so like the premise from what is it cloverfield land it does feel it does feel like that um is john goodman keeping them hostage yeah, yeah, and uh, Tim Robbins is in it, and he's the judge. Oh, so, there you, you know, go. yeah, Common is in it, and I, I like, I love his music, but he's not supposed to be acting. So, no, he, I've never been blown away by Common yeah, in the film, yeah. He's the enforcer, you of know, course. of the laws, of course, yes. yeah. And then it's Rebecca Ferguson, who's like the typical, you know, Jennifer Lawrence in Hunger Games person who's trying to rebel, like, is trying to okay. figure out her way out of it, uh, the whole thing. So it was just a bit disappointing, uh, but I feel like I need to mention The Flash because I... <laughs> oh, you went to see The Flash? I'm not going to pay to see The Flash. I'm, all, I'm just going to say it right now. I'm not going to pay to see it. I'll wait until it's on like some streaming service. To be fair, I had some view tickets from way back and I didn't actually pay for that film in particular. I just had them. So I was like, I might as well go. I really enjoyed it. I'm just going to say it. I okay. had the time of my life. I thought it was really, really good fun. It was great to see Michael Keaton on the big screen. He had like a proper role. It wasn't like a ca- it wasn't like a Batman cameo. Like he had like a proper supporting role. Ezra is fantastic. You know, they are what they are. And we know like they're just weird. Mm. But at the same time, they are incredibly, you know, talented. So I, I just really enjoy what they did. The... Um, the plot made sense. The CGI was awful, as everyone said. I don't know what it happened awful there. From the yeah. Trailers, yeah, I don't know what happened there. But I, I'm not like a, I'm not crazy about CGI. Like I can, I, if the plot is like if it's, Bad CGI if, it's a, yeah, if, it's a, if it's a fun movie, I can work with it. And yeah, like it's a, a couple of really fun cameos, and then the ending is, uh, what, yeah, it's just really really fun. Okay. So interesting. I don't know. I think you should watch it maybe when it gets you know available wherever. Yeah. On it's not done very well though, I, or at least it's not like done as well as they thought it would, right? Isn't it? They were expect they were hoping oh, they were kind of hoping it to be like the huge big blockbuster that's going to kind of redeem Warner Brothers and. It's one of it's the biggest, really yeah, it's one of the biggest bombs in box okay. office history. But what did we expect? I mean, mm. there's been there zero marketing. Con- yeah, there was too yeah, much controversy around that. Controversy yeah. and zero marketing. Because what was the controversy? Mar- Ezra Miller. Oh. Ezra Miller, who played The Flash, has had, a, has had like some allegations fa- and charges brought against them and stuff. It's, yeah. yeah, it's been quite, yeah. And yeah, the, problem, the, the problem is, is that before all of this last year, Warner Brothers also can't just completely canceled and canned another uh, the Batgirl movie for kind of no reason that also had Michael Keaton in it right he was going to be in that as well yeah, yeah. and Brendan Fraser and um, with kind of they didn't really say why did they or was it, they said it wasn't testing well I think they showed it and it wasn't testing well and rather than Re- reshoots they were just like we're just going to can it the actual report like because I know Hollywood Report did like a deep dive it was a tax write-off for them yeah like they would made more money and if so, they like, canned yeah. the, which is insane to think yeah. about it so like in the wake of that all the Ezra Miller stuff um, yeah, it's it was just kind of they really didn't promote the film because they were kind of like let's just release we, it and yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, you can't have. And obviously, any, like, it's not that good. It's gone that well. Yeah, but, but I don't know. I thought it was a good film, I mean, and maybe it's because my expectations are so low when it comes to superhero films right now. Maybe coming out of films like Thor, four, like whatever Thor and Ant Man three, seven, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But yeah, that it was a good time. Okay. So yeah, that is uh, my, I guess, hot take for okay. this episode. And so now we're going to move to the community segment in a second. I I want to make a correction or like I want to like talk about a correction that we have to make because thank God we have fact checkers out there. Uh, our listener, Casey, reached out to me to say it is, uh, of course, Terrence Malik and not Terry Gilliam who did 
tree of life. Bloody hell, so fuck's Which sake, makes so much sense. And that is a good reminder for me to not be recording after eight. Uh, yeah. Well, you're getting close. You've got five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And we're not doing an easy film today. So, no, yeah, true. It'll be fun. Anything else before we move? Do you know what? Yeah? I completely forgot to mention this and I watched it really quickly. If, if, and people might not be interested in it, if you're interested in like sporting documentaries, uh, which I'm hoping not losing either of you by saying that, and if you enjoyed like the first season of Drive to Survive, the Netflix show about F1, they've just put out uh, a Tour de France one. I'm watching it. And it's really good. It's, it's really, really good. really good because me and Ellie talked about this and she was, and she made a really good point. She was like, watching that Breakpoint tennis show as well, if I didn't know anything about tennis, that wouldn't make me think, oh, tennis is really exciting and I want to watch it and I want to know more. Watching the Tour de France one makes me think, fucking hell, I need to start watching cycling because it sounds like so intense. It sounds so interesting. The different team dynamics and stuff is really, really cool. Is it still um, rife with drugs? Well, they don't really touch on that. They, I, I, they kind of talk about, like Lance Armstrong, I think it's maybe mentioned once it's in like It almost seems like one of, the, one of those sports where it's like, Drugs are basically accepted and it's like more exciting because of it. <laughs> it is. I mean, it is insane. Where, like when you watch the stuff that they do, it yeah. is mad how you think, how could you not be doing this on drugs? Yeah. But I think they, they they say that like it is pretty much clean now, but it's it's crazy. And yeah, it's a re- like it does a really good job at kind of, because it doesn't really, it focuses on some of the big teams, but then you also get some of the smaller ones who are just kind of like scrapping for places. And mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's, I thought it was really good, so just wanted to throw that in. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? Cool. Okay. Community segment. So, yeah, I mean, uh, this past week I've been back on the gram. <laughs> I, I was very quiet for a while because I, I don't know, I just, I feel like inspiration comes and goes with like posting and there's a sort of expectation. Oh, I always have to post and create new content, which is like, I didn't feel like it for a while, but now, I don't know, with threads as well, and I'm on threads, just quite fun. So, yeah, I mean, I posted a couple of times. So the first question that I asked people that I would also love your thoughts on, I I know many people are planning to watch Barbie and Oppenheimer at the same day. There's like this massive debate going on because they're coming out on the same day. So people are like, oh my God, I might as well just watch like both of them at the same time. I think it's spoiler culture also has to do a lot with it because people think they're going to get spoiled, which is true. So yeah, I asked people, which film are you watching first, Barbie or Oppenheimer? And people had thoughts. <laughs> as in, like, If you think about it, like, Simon, let me start with you. Like, if you had to, if you were forced to watch both of them at the same time, like the same day, which one would you go for first and why? If Barbie is as good as Legally Blonde, which is what, <laughs> I don't know why, but I imagine that's what it should be like. Yeah, that's a great. Like, if they're doing a progressive yeah. take on it, I don't know, maybe it's, if it was like that, then I would watch Barbie first, Oppenheimer second. Okay, but why first? So you want to be de- you want to be entertained first, depressed second. Are we presuming they're both really good? Yeah, I okay. think that's the assumption. Oh, okay. No, actually, no, we don't make that assumption. But you know what they're about. Oppenheimer is a nighttime film for me. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it has to be dark. I, think. I can't walk it. I can't walk out of Oppenheimer no. and it'd be daylight. That's yeah. so interesting. It's a nighttime. I mean, it's film. so long that no matter what time you go yeah. to, it yeah. probably will be you want it time. finishing about. Half 11, 12 yeah. or something. Oh, yeah, when you go out of the cinema and the streets mm. are quiet and there's no... Oh, you can just God. reflect. Yeah. Well, so that's what I was going to say. Like, sure, that, I, I really like doing that. There's a posh um, Curzon in Mayfair, isn't it? Is it one in yes. Mayfair? Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, a really yeah. good one to walk out oh. of at midnight and you're like, oh, amongst all these really nice streets in mm. London. Yeah. And um, you can think about the film as you yeah. walk down. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say. So like I would do Barbie and then Oppenheimer, if I had to, if I do Barbie, then Oppenheimer, purely because I think after Oppenheimer, I'm going to want to like digest it i'm not gonna want to go straight into something else i'm gonna want to be able to take like at least from what we've seen from both trailers listen barbie could throw some serious fucking (laughs) philosophical curveballs at me that i'm not expecting and need to think about could say feminism i don't know yeah 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 um but yeah i think oppenheimer is one that i'm gonna want to yeah it's i mean it's yeah there's gonna be i feel like you're gonna have to like contemplate (laughs) well mankind after watching oppenheimer well this is one of our listeners said uh the Colin Music. That's Barbie. my that's my friend Dara. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, hi. Uh, Barbie in the morning, Oppenheimer in the evening. Start the day happy, end the day with some serious existentialism. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the way nice. to go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 
Uh, a friend of mine said we're doing Oppenheimer followed by Barbie here. I would like to see an explanation for that. Um, Death watching both in one day, but I got to start off with Daddy Nolan. <laughs> Why don't cinema? No, my mum told me that like in her day, they you had you know like the Rocky Horror Show science fiction double feature. It was all like double feature picture shows in yeah. cinema. Like why don't they? That would be a real a, thing. I think yeah. I would go to that. Like if 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 like your cinema was it like wouldn't, oh, I can watch it both. wouldn't surprise me if in the because there's been so much because there's been so much said about Barbie and Oppenheimer together. It wouldn't surprise me if some cinemas did yeah. that. But the problem I would say is is are they different distribution companies? Yeah, yeah, but they could do a deal and it'd, be, it'd probably get more bums on seats. And actually, they must be because I was reading about Oppenheimer and Oppen and apparently in Christopher Nolan's contract, it's Universal, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Apparently in his contract with Universal, they were, it was, he would he would release the films through them if they didn't release anything else two weeks before or two weeks after. Right. So yeah. Barbie must be- That like, means you've got serious like power if you can negotiate well, no, that. I mean, Yeah, well, I mean, when he Nolan left- can do whatever he wants. Who was it he left before? Warner he, Brothers. Uh, yeah, after he left Warner Brothers, it was like everybody was chomping at the bit to get him. Mm. Obviously, Universal offer. We're just like, we'll give. I mean, I'd imagine most people were like, we'll give you whatever you want, but universally, yeah, we'll give it's you not a no brainer, though, is it? Because I mean, if you do bet on a flop, it's very, very expensive. Yeah, but you're betting on a director with a fairly proven track record. Yeah. You're, yeah, like you're Tenet, not, yeah. yeah, Tenet aside, he's never like, flopped. And even he's realistically, Tenet good. probably, like, obviously, Tenet is probably considered a flop because it released in COVID and people weren't going yeah. to the cinema that much. Now, I didn't like the film that much anyway, but I think if that is released. I'm going to say, saying this like it's wartime. It's like, if that's not released during COVID time, it probably does better anyway, because you'd have his name alone bring such an influx of people to go and see films. Yeah, that's fair. But. Uh, well, <laughs> a listener of ours said about the episode, can't wait to hear about the literal bomb and the wig work. Yeah. <laughs> so that's coming. Mm, that is coming. Uh, open. Someone said Oppenheimer first. Another one said Nolan first because I'm sure I'll need some distraction color after. Uh, yeah, well, you're going from a film that has like IMAX black and white in it to yeah, probably the most colorful film the, that's ever been yeah, made. Oh, can you watch it at IMAX? Is it an IMAX yeah, film? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I it think must be. It's, uh, I think Oppenheimer is complete old shot in IMAX, I think. Okay. Uh, someone asked, is it possible to watch both at once? I think that's probably a bit exciting. One in, like, one in each eye. Yeah, yeah like in like 3D, a, a red a red goggle and a blue goggle. Someone said, uh, this one got a lot of uh, likes. I feel like you have to watch Barbie first. I get wanting to watch it after because you'll need to you'll need to pick me up. But there's also the possibility of Nolan messing up with your mind and emotions so much that you might not allow yourself to focus on the joy of Barbie. Yeah. I, I think you're out of it after, that. yeah. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, it'd be hard. It's kind of like, hard to pick yourself up I think and that yeah. you need to just you know, let the nuclear let the nuclear waves wash over you the thing is if I'd watched say a film like Downfall which is one of my favourites oh nice one I might want a, some light relief afterwards so yeah. It, yeah. it could work <laughs> I think so I do get it yeah, I don't see. Take your yeah, mind off it. I don't see Oppenheimer having a good ending. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a historical film. We know it hasn't got a good ending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as in, I, I wonder whether, even though like he's not a kind of director, but with Tarantino, you, he does take historical. Is I um, think he said he's not though, hasn't he? He's yeah, kind he's of very like, biopic. He's, like, like, he's sticking to historical. Yeah. Is it, is it yeah. being released normally in Japan? I'm not sure. Oppenheimer. Oh, that's a good question. I would have thought it's going to be a global release. release yeah. yeah. I wonder how yeah, it'll be received there. I don't know. Wow. Uh, okay, moving on to the second mini community segment question. I I did share my Mission Impossible film ranking earlier on Instagram and threads and asked people to share theirs because we know we have the new Mission Impossible coming up next week in the UK. Yeah. yeah. So, well, first of all, people feel very strongly about Mission Impossible 2, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> seen the comments so funny. Worryingly so. I, Ben, I think I would really love your opinion here. Mm. You are the resident expert. <laughs> expert's a hard, strong word, but. <laughs> well, I think you are an Evangelist. expert in Mission Impossible. Yeah, no, I do. I love them. To, to I absolutely fair, like, love them. Yeah, yeah. If I reference the scene, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, yes. yeah. So I, I would say you're the SME, the subject matter expert. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't hear that before, but okay. So MME. SME. M-I-M-E. Mission oh, Impossible Expert. Ooh. No, M-I-E. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. Simon, cut this out in the other. <laughs> no, M-I-E is perfect. Uh, do you, yeah, would you like to go through some of the answers? Well, let's go with yours first. Okay, yeah, let's go. So yeah, yours is, 
Fallout, which is the most recent, the Henry Cavill one. I love that one, but maybe because I, I don't know, Henry Cavill is just too hot in this film. It was very distracting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your first three, I think, in that it's yeah. Fallout, then Rogue, Rogue Nation, Nation, then Mission Impossible 1. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Then Ghost Protocol, I don't agree with, because yeah. I find Ghost Protocol kind of boring. I know there's obviously like the amazing uh, building scene and stuff like that. But I think that sold me probably, but... Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was quite... I, I feel... I always, I I think about like Girls Protocol has a really forgettable ending, you know? Yeah. I just think like some of the others, I, I like remember them really clearly, but Girls Protocol, I feel just like is quite forgettable. And yeah. it was around the time when Jeremy Renner was being put in every franchise because it was like, well, maybe Jeremy Renner will take over because he did a Bourne film at that point. Then he was oh, in Mission yes. Impossible. So I think that was never, I didn't enjoy never, that Bourne film. Well, never I think made the, leading man. Yeah, and I think yeah. this was at the time where they were probably teeing, teeing him up to take over from Matt Damon, mm-hmm. maybe teeing him up to take over from Tom Cruise. Both of those men proved that you cannot take their thrones <laughs> at all. Like there can be no other Bourne. It doesn't work for me. No, he, he's, he's not, not leading yeah. my material. I mean, I've he's said not. before, I mean, he's great for support. But yeah, he's, he's very, very much a supporting cast. But then you go, so yeah, Ghost Protocol, I wouldn't put it for. I'd probably go Mission Impossible 3 because I have a soft spot for Mission Impossible 3 because it's one of the first ones I remember seeing in the cinema. Oh, that's okay. I always have a soft spot for films like oh. that. Then probably Ghost Protocol and then two. I think, number one, I like think number obje- six. Yeah, I think yeah. objectively the worst in inverted commas is two. You are with the majority. Which, yeah. Well, no, I don't seem to be because a what? lot of people have put Mission Impossible 2 first. No, <laughs> or at least a couple no. of people have. I, well, they've put it high. Someone's... Maybe they mean, um, maybe it's in the reverse. As in like Mission Impossible 2, is the, they mean it's the worst. Surely it can't be the best. Yeah, Will Gibson has Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible 2, Damn. then Fallout, then Ghost Protocol, then Mission Impossible 1, which I really don't know. And then Mission Impossible 3, mm-hmm. he said, I think GP has the best intro, Fallout, the best stunt, and 3, the best villain with Philip Seymour Hoffman. I do agree with that. Yeah. I like Philip Seymour Hoffman's probably, at least maybe the character is not that interesting, but as an actor, he's probably Fine. one of the better ones that they've yeah. had. Um, up until Henry Cavill, I thought Henry Cavill was very was very good in Fallout, yeah. which is probably why I like him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's what else have we got? Why is MI2, ra- yeah, someone says, why is MI2 ranking so high in so many lists? This is the child we don't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Which is fair. Somebody, Ethan Dragon 97 says Mission Impossible 2. Or, oh no, sorry, I misread that because he has one Mission Impossible, two Rogue Nation. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fine. He's got he's got the original first, yeah. which is interesting, and then Rogue Nation second. Which I mean, there. I think the first one, I think you were saying this before, something like you still really enjoy that one and it does, it does get the, a bit um, silly. The sweat drip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clean room. Yeah. I think it just, it still really holds up as like a good solid action film. And it's like a really young Tom Cruise in it as well. Like it's kind of first when he started showing off the real like action hero style. Someone says Mission Impossible 3 is still the best in my opinion. And it took the biggest risk with its story and character. Ethan died for several minutes and we got to see Michelle Monaghan kick some serious ass. I know he dies in Rogue Nation 2, but (laughs) MI3 did it first and did it better. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. At least, I will say, I will say, at least in in Rogue Nation, it's a more realistic him being dead for a couple of minutes because in Mission, in Rogue Rogue Nation, he's dead for a couple of minutes and then wakes up and can barely walk and is all over the place. In Mission Impossible 3, he's dead for a couple of minutes, wakes up and then sprints full speed down the street (laughs) in Shanghai and then goes to kill this guy. Like, he somehow is like all action and ready to go, having been clinically dead for a couple of minutes. Like, yeah. For yeah. me, that's, this doesn't work, though, because it goes back to what you said, Simon, several episodes ago that stuck with me. It's like, it doesn't really make a difference, and I don't really care if I know the character is going to come back from death. Yeah. As in, what's the meaning? You, you said that in the context of, like, Marvel films. It's like, I don't care anymore because we have the multiverse. So people may, like, someone might die mm. in one universe, and I know they'll come back in another. And it's like, you know, the, the James Bond film, like, the, the latest one, mm. really took a risk with killing. Yeah, broke my heart. Yeah, exactly. Cried like a baby after that right. film. Yeah, but you know he's not going to come back and that's why it broke your heart. If you knew he was going to come back in the next uh, Bond film because someone, I don't know, broke him back to life, you wouldn't care as much. Like an extraction too. Yeah. Like an extraction too. Interestingly, No Man is an Island mate kind of said the similar thing to me. He said, I love the Burj Khalifa scene, but as a whole, I remember very little of Rogue Nation and Ghost Protocol stories. Fallout absolutely is the best. I disagree on Rogue Nation. Or yeah, Rogue Nation. Uh, I think that has a lot. Yeah, a week ago, Rogue Nation. Yeah, I really yeah. like Road Nation and Sean Harris, I think, is a good bad guy and it has a nice, like, it's Alec Baldwin's first one in the series, right? It's the first one where he's playing, like, yeah, the, yeah. 
the uh, the Minister of Defense, whatever it is. Jeremy He's a nice Renner little is also ca- in it, cameo yeah. in it. Yeah. I mean, to, to be like, I love the film so much because of Rebecca Ferguson. She's just incredible. She's just incredible. She's too good. Simon Pegg starts coming into his own really yeah. in, in, in those ones as well. Obviously, he's been in it since Mission Impossible. He's been in it since Mission Impossible 3. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like starts off as the analyst in the office, I think, and is in like one or two scenes maybe in the third one. Yeah. And then it's gradually like progressed through it. And I think Rogue Nation is where he really kind of comes into his own. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Simon like the ener- like the energy he brings next to like Tom Cruise, who's like always very serious and like too. Yeah, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a good like he's Simon Pegg's really good. I think in most things that he does, he's a really good kind of like he can do comedy and he can kind of do action. He can do like mm-hmm. comedy, action, and sci-fi. He can kind of do it all really well. In that he's not, you don't always feel he, you know he's there to provide the jokes, but then you also feel like he's capable in doing like the action sequences mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know. Um, he's a good foil for people like Tom Cruise, I think. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Spirit Away. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. Nah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. Okay, we are back with our final scene segment. Uh, this is the first time we're breaking down an animation film and more specifically an anime film, Spirit It Away. Um, okay, so one of the things I wanted to understand as I didn't really know anything about, I mean, I, I knew the film and I I did see the film ages ago, actually, but I didn't remember much of it, but I didn't know anything about this legacy per se. So I want to kind of want to figure out where it came from. Like, did it become like a sleeper hit? Like, what was the situation? What was the perception around it when it first came out? And the story is actually quite interesting. So... Spirit Away was released in the U.S. showing in just 26 theaters. It made just four, um, 450K in its opening weekend. By comparison, the film spent 11 weeks at the top of the Japanese box office at the time. But then months later, after its U.S. premiere, now 23 years ago, Spirit Away became the first and only Japanese film to, be- to win Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. So I didn't know that. That's a mm. big, that's a huge deal. Like it's one, like, I feel like non-English films <laughs> started winning at the Oscars probably five years ago. So to have that milestone, it's incredible. So by the end of 2003, the film had played on more than 700 American screens, pulling in more than 10 million. So it does feel like a film that's, it was almost like a very niche film mm. until the Oscars kind of brought it to the spotlight. I mean, I, first of all, I, I mean, I think it is kind of widely regarded as like the number one kind of anime film in people's lists. I think it tends to be like, if you ever see lists of like the top 10 anime films of all time, which is why, Spirited It Away so is normally quite close to the top. Which it? is why it caught my attention because mm. it's weird for, you know, non-Japanese people to love a Japanese film so but I much. would I would I would say having watching that film in the context with the context of like Pixar movies and right. Disney movies I would say I find that like inherently more watchable than even things like obviously everybody goes on about the Lion King and stuff like that but 100% it's, it's a, much it, more it, fulfilling yeah 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 it's a much more like it's a much more enjoyable film in that it you know you get some it is incredibly fast paced like it's constantly changing and moving but there's also like it's really nice characters like there's almost a worry watching it the first time that oh god this little girl is going to be really annoying and it's going to be this thing <laughs> if we're going to have to watch her journey to become not annoying and like but actually like pretty much her parents turn into pigs and that then kind of goes away <laughs> like, that goes away pretty quickly after her parents are turned into two giant pigs um so i, I can see the appeal like you know i kind of i can see what especially at that time because the early 2000s i mean animation was going crazy mm-hmm. especially in america it's such a, yeah, I mean, before we get to the final scene, I, I wanted to get your reaction in terms of the actual film and what did you make of it? Because Ben, uh, <laughs> Simon, you're laughing. What's happening? I feel like I'm going to insult a lot of Studio Ghibli purists. No, go, I mean, go for I found it. it. really boring. Okay. I watched boring. it at 1.75. You actually, what, you watched it at a faster what, pace. I want to know what language did you guys watch it in? It, I watched you- it in English. Ah, I went pure, I went Japanese with subtitles. Yes, that's what I did. Yeah. But that's what I how I usually like in Greece this is how it was. I, I noticed the sound mix was quite different between the two tracks. Mm. 
I love the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was amazing. Yeah. I just couldn't get into it. I just couldn't okay. connect with it. I watched, yeah, I watched the, with a girl. there was one scene I liked where it was like, there was like a misty scene where it was like, there was lots of, set like towards the end and there was like a wide shot of like a forest or something with loads of clouds. Oh, where she goes to the swamp. That was like the, particularly the, with beautiful. The, with the bouncing lamp. I think it was that. Yeah. But yeah, I just couldn't. I think it looks incredible. I think it's some it of those big right, open but... sweeping shots and stuff like that with the train and all. I think it looks And I know amazing. it's all done by hand and stuff. Yeah. But it still didn't make me like it. Really? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I really liked it. The final scene, and not what I was watching on the big screen, but knowing it's the end of the film, Mm. kind of made me reflect on my own journey as a kid. Okay. Because the end, like the final scene is about it, like it's about transition, right? You're moving from, I mean, the the film is highly, what's the word? Allegorical? As in, like, it's an allegory, like, pretty much. Like, it does, even though we were talking about, like, a witch and, like, your parents being turned into, like, yeah. pigs. No face. This isn't really what we're, yeah. This <laughs> yeah, is- like, I've, I've written as a note, Haku chunders up an ancient witch's seal, then turns back to normal, but then he's actually a river, lol. He's not a but river. That's he's a river god. But that is, oh, okay. I think that is beautiful, yeah. though, because that beautiful is... Nightmare. I guess that's what it is for Chihiro, though, isn't it? That's it's kind of it is like a beautiful nightmare almost. This yeah, I don't know if she enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, and then she did, but that's the thing. This is what comes with transitory experiences it's because about growth I feel for like, her. Yeah, exactly. And we have to. I think it's important to see the film and the ending from her perspective and how some things. You know how when we're kids we. Like, because we don't have the right language and we don't have the right words, we if, if we see something strange or something terrifying, we attach a monster to it, mm. right? We attach something so like out of the because that's what we know. We basically do what cinema has conditioned us to do. <laughs> all yeah, the time. And, and, and children's books, right? Yeah. So, for example, like the fact that, like in the way I saw it, that the the fact that your parents were turned into pigs only means that. They are greedy. Mm. I did quite like the idea that she was more progressive and mature than her parents who couldn't help themselves but consume the, you know, forbidden fruit. That's Mm. what comes with youth. That's quite cool. That's what comes with youth. I feel like kids generally are just much more... (laughs) Less cynical, maybe? Less cynical, less, less greedy, and they just, yeah. And the end, ultimately, is about the empathy that comes with realizing that your parents have flaws and you just learn to accept mm-hmm. them because, you know, because at, in the beginning, she was a bit sassy with them. She's like, oh, geez, uh, I can't be yeah. bothered with any of this. And then towards the end, when the final scene, when she gets into the car with them, she's like, yeah, actually I can handle moving to a new place. You well, know? Yeah, because like, at the just... start of the film, she's a scared little girl who's like moving to a new place and you always get, I mean, that's a kind of classic trope. Well, she's in films a bit of, of like a the child, half, isn't she? Yeah, the like, child who's yeah. been moved away and doesn't want to start a new school and doesn't want to go to a new house. Similar to Toy Story intro, isn't it? Isn't one of the Toy Stories like that? What what film is it when they move to San Francisco because the dad's got a job? Oh, oh you're Inside Out. Sorry, Inside Out. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So Inside Out, it's quite similar. She's used to like playing ice hockey in the winter mm. and all that kind of stuff. And then she was also a bit annoying and then, yeah kind of redeemed yeah later <laughs> okay uh, well yeah and f- for me like uh, when I finished the film I was like okay what did I actually watch because I wanted to focus on the last 10 minutes because obviously this is what we wanted to talk about and then so starting with a few final shots I would say the first the first final shot is uh to hero with Haku 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 yeah yeah in um, kind of like saying goodbye to each other on the steps by the on river. the steps by the river and then the river based on what i read seems to have this like huge significance because obviously like haku is like the river spirit and whatever that may mean in japanese culture i don't want to say anything that i don't know I don't want, like i don't know what river represents japanese culture but it was it was so cool to see and again, going back to the allegory piece, seeing something like a river being such an important part of the beginning and the end. Like when I think of river, I think of transition and passage and memory of time because it's the river that connects the human to the spirit world. And her like uh, walking across the river, well, 
more like crossing the bridge, it felt like, oh, this is adulthood. This is a coming of age story in a way. So in the end, it's more like a departure from being scared and afraid and immature to like entering into a world where like, it's still scary, but I can handle it. Yeah, she has to learn to almost be an adult very quickly and she has to yeah. learn to fend for herself in the film. Yeah. I enjoyed it where she first meets, I don't know what they're called, the soot people. Yes. <laughs> they're yeah, my that's favorite. A great scene. They're yeah. my favorite characters in yeah. the whole film. Yeah, I really like the character in the in the in that in the steam room. Oh, as the, old well. guy. the old guy with all the arms. Yeah. yeah. It's a really He's kind of like man, really cool. man handling. Yeah, because equipment. you first meet him as this kind of like almost like grotesque looking thing mm-hmm. with lots of arms and actually is this like really warm, yeah. kind character to her in the end. When there's so much there are so many like a lot of the like there's a very few people in the world who aren't just greedy like that's the thing it comes but like with the parents eating all the food like everyone in the that works in the bathhouse is obsessed with the gold the idea of the gold and Mm -hmm. making the money and all that kind of stuff and kind of permeates throughout the film apart from maybe three three or four people i did quite enjoy the the jab of the hut washing scene that was quite funny yeah yeah where she has to like get that plug out of him (laughs) yeah it it reminded me of those like dr pimple videos on youtube oh no that's so well done yeah yeah i mean I think it's highly critical of society. It's very mater- it's very yeah. anti-materialistic, mm. very eco-friendly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, for... I don't even know what the target audience... Like, was it speaking fant- to kids? I think it's That's fantasy. It's yeah, like, I think it's for everyone. It's a normal it's family yeah. on a trip. It's like um, a kind of once upon a time, you know? It's like yeah. you're in the car and you make up a story with your parents and it, yeah. and it takes you to a really dark place and yeah. a happy place and then a dark place again and then a resolution... Yeah. It's a fairy tale fantasy. Well, in the same way that like all the fairy tales, like when you look at all the fairy tales of what they first were and like the Brothers Grimm tales yeah. and stuff like that, that mm-hmm. actually tales like that Snow White are all considerably darker than they were. Yeah, they are and actually, really dark. Spirited Away does a really good job and that it kind of, there are quite like kind of scary elements to it. Like when mm. her parents first become pigs as well and you're kind of like, it's quite, it's quite shocking grotesque, and yeah. like grotesque. Yeah, grotesque is a great word actually. Um, and it does that really well. And they well. don't hold back either. It reminded no. me a bit of when I was a kid, we used to read Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale type stories. I don't know what you call yeah. it. And there's one called the, is it the Matchstick Girl? Did you guys read that? I think I know the name. stuck with me. I, yeah. And it's like this girl so and she's like homeless or something on this like outside in the cold and winter. And she's got like a few matches left. And the way it describes them lighting these matches and having a tiny bit of warmth for a really short period of time. Yeah. But it like broke my heart and I never forgot it. And yeah. it is a really powerful story. Mm-hmm. I think Spirit, Spirit of the Way kind of does a similar thing. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I have no idea why was highlighted towards the end is, do you remember? So when um, Tahira says goodbye, mm. there you, you can see the hair tie that was given to her by Zaniba. Or, was it Zaniba? Like the twin sister of... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Grandmother, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it was like a bit of a sparkle. And then see actually. Well, I guess it's, I guess it's she's what? leaving these friends that she's made, and the whole thing of that is isn't the hair tie is to remind her of her friends, right? Isn't that the thing? Yeah, so it's, it's been more made, of a. You know, it's been made by isn't it? It's no face and the the giant baby and the, the little <laughs> fly thing. It's it's been made by them, so and it's, it's to remember that place. So it's meant to say that she's taking those memories back with her. Yeah, because yeah. Her, her parents don't remember. Her parents don't remember any of it that's yeah, going on. And yeah. I think it's a reminder that's for... because it's all a dream then. Well, well, to be fair, I actually thought that could be the case up until I saw the hair tie. Because I was like... Oh, is, it, yeah. is the hair tie did, still there in the car? Yeah. And it's also... It, I, again, I don't know if I'm reaching here. But I also remember you're on the car, on the by the hood... You had like a bird-like statue that resembled very much the bird that she had as a companion. Mm. So I wonder whether that's also like a signal of like, oh, yes, she's taking those memories back with her. And what just experienced wasn't just a dream. Because yeah, I, I never, I, I, I feared, I, fe- I did fear that. I don't think that at any point I head. thought, it, I don't think at any point I thought it was well, a dream. The whole thing to me feels like a really powerful children's story that you could, yeah. be t- you could be told when you're sleepy at bedtime and your imagination just goes wild with it. Yeah. And you end up. Oh no, I get that, but I don't think that means that her thing in the story is a dream, though. Yeah, 
I don't think that that's what I don't think that that's what that's getting at. Mm-hmm. So I, I, thought, also, I thought could she fall asleep in the car? You know, she's holding the flowers at the beginning, and then she dreams yeah. this whole crazy I, I thought story. Of that. I think if they made the film now, that's probably what it would be. Yeah. <laughs> if Christopher Nolan, <laughs> yeah, if Nolan made the film, that's what it would be. Because they get out at the end, and the car is like covered in like that's the other thing. It's yeah. like how long have they been in there? Because the car is covered in trees, like foliage and stuff has grown yeah. on the car. Like how long have they been supposedly been in there for? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is the house that they're even supposed to be moving to still there? Is it gone? Is it 50 years ahead? Who knows? <laughs> How long have they been missing? It's like that show Manifest where like a plane takes off and lands five yeah, years and, later. Yeah. And yeah. six seasons later. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's so funny. Any parting thoughts on the ending? Because the very last shot is them driving away. It was yeah. very it's, um, expected. It's very expected. It wasn't, um, uh, I wasn't like, oh, it, that's, a, that's not where I was conclu- expecting it yeah. to go. It's a solid conclusion. Yeah. It felt like a very natural like landing for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think, that's, I think that's films like that which do appeal to everyone. I think it's, that's why it's quite nice to have like mm-hmm. an ending that kind of ties it all together. Like I'm coming, like even since we did, when we did the Shawshank Redemption episode, I told like this, like I'm really, you know, I really enjoy films more now that when they have like a kind of a neater resolution that yeah. I'm not expected to think like like I will possibly have to do with Oppenheimer, like walk out of it and complain, <laughs> contemplate everything. Actually, it's just a really nice episode, a nice ending, should I say, in which she has grown up and, and you know, there's the happiness of having your parents back, but also it's this realization of, well, if I can handle that, moving to a new house mustn't be that scary. And it's a really mm. like a nice thing as any child who's probably ever moved like schools or anything yeah. like that. It's a really nice thing to go like, because I changed schools, I think when I was like six I don't, and I can't remember what that felt like, but actually possibly even seeing something like that, that makes that easy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, imagine I have to go through all that and then thinking, God, going to a new school is hard. Actually, it's not because you'll meet all these nice people. There will be people there that you don't agree with and you don't, you know, you don't get along with, but there's a there's a way to do it. I thought it was... Um, a really sweet ending, I think I'll put it that way. That's beautiful, Ben. I think we have to end with that. Perfect. Stop it. Now can we go to the pub? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, we saw the ending again. Uh, wonderful film, wonderful message. And yeah, that's it for the episode of that final scene. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our conversation and learned something new about Spirit Away. It was a tough ask. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know by DMing us. Everyone's got to say sideways. So we have to do it for an episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's happy. Yeah, let's do it. I'm in. Uh, or following us at that final scene on threads because Twitter is dead and game over. Get ready for our next episode. We'll be back in two weeks with a final scene of the much anticipated Oppenheimer. But please expect, you know, our takes on Mission Impossible The Reckoning Part 1 and Barbie, most likely. I think I'm going to try. Does that mean that we've got to watch three films in the cinema you don't before have the to. next? We don't no, have to. No. But Oppenheimer, we Oppenheimer, 100%. Yeah. Uh, That's I'm, mandatory. I'm going to aim. Mando. I'm going to aim for all three. Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> Mission Impossible first, Oppenheimer second that's your barbie, that's what you're gonna do yeah barbie third okay yeah, yeah. mission impossible is coming out next week so you have a bit of time i think okay. i'm gonna mission impossible next weekend and then i might do oppenheimer friday barbie saturday i don't think i'll do both in a day yeah no that's a I'll bit extreme oppenheimer is three hours long we mm. should you know gonna need a lot of popcorn for that oppenheimer yeah <laughs> filthy yeah i so can't wait that is a be gallon so... of coke oh, <laughs> oh god i wish you'd get buttered popcorn in this with maltesers on the side what are your recommendations what should we eat during oppenheimer oh. it's gonna be long depends how shameful i want to feel at the end of it <laughs> okay thank you so much for listening and until next time keep watching great films goodbye did you like it did you like that did i like it i loved it i, I had no idea you could milk a cat i have nipples greg could you milk me good morning morning good morning oh and in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night <laughs>